welcome to the Creating Us podcast, hosted by the Office of Leader and Culture Development. I'm Jason. And I'm Shelby. And we're excited to be with you as we continue our journey through the simple truths of leadership. All righty. Well, here we go. Shelby, how are you today? I am doing pretty good. And we are actually on time. We are. I, You know what? That is something to celebrate. However, <laughs> just because I can, I am going to call you out because you did schedule this at one o'clock and you no-showed. And I so did. I did. I'm I, just saying. I was stuck at the at-home store because it that'll, was hard. <laughs> that, that'll do it. I mean, if, you, if you've never been to the at-home store, and this is not a promotion for them, but it will. It'll suck you in and you just forget about time. There's so, so much stuff. Anyway, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about simple truth number 46. People don't resist change. They resist being controlled. This mm. is a hard topic because we're talking about change. Yeah. And... Mm. Let me ask you, do you like change? No, I don't. I wouldn't say that I just enjoy change, but I've learned a lot of stuff since working in this office. And I know that everything is a change, actually. Everything that we think of as normal was at one time a change. So I can say that we are positively influencing you in at least one way, because that was the statement I was going to give you. However, yeah. it's true, though. Change is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we're talking about our role in change, meaning are we a part of the change? Do we get to decide that change is going to happen? Do we get to decide how we respond to change? Those are all key elements. And I, I think every single one of them, we play a different role in. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, do you think that um, you're less resistant to change when you get to have a voice in that change? I, you know, initially I wanted to just automatically say yes, but it depends Mm -hmm. because having played many roles throughout my career, of being the person who has requested a change to also being a person who has to just be a part of the change, meaning I got to just put up with it. I have no say whatsoever. It depends. And I say that only because there are some changes that we are asked to make that are not comfortable. There are Mm -hmm. some changes that we may not completely agree with, but yet we have to lead a team through it. And then there are times where, hey, we've got to change. I have no say, no input, no choice. I just have to do it. I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. So it didn't really answer your question there. Well, so in my master's classes, we've talked about um, a change, um, Cotter's change, like going through the steps. And so in my head, I think that people, when they understand the why behind what is happening, I think they um, are a little bit less resistant than just being told, hey, you're changing and this is what's going to happen and this is you know, what you're going to do. And they don't understand what's happening for the reason that it's happening. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. But it makes perfect sense. And you're absolutely right. I love Cotter's model and have taught it for many years. And you know, it is, it's one of those where, hey, get the buy-in. 
mm-hmm. right? Make sure you let people know why. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of great insight there. And I think, you know, as you were saying that, it also made me think of another tool that we use, which is the Kubler-Ross change curve. Mm-hmm. And we actually, we currently utilize that in one of our how-to series. And so we can talk through that today uh, on this podcast. But one of the things that I love about this lesson is we have to overcome the idea that people are automatically going to resist change. Yeah. And it goes back to what you just said. If if we can tell the people why, and if we can inform our team members to the best of our ability, then we, I, I think more frequently are going to see an acceptance of change compared to a resistance to mm-hmm. change. Yeah. Yeah. And I think really, um, Like they said on page 119, it's important to know the reasons that the change is needed and what are the advantages of that change and how do you effectively implement it? Um, And so, you know, it says to involve team members in the change process by getting their ideas. um, But why don't you lead us through this change curve? Yeah, yeah, we can. And, you know, it's kind of the point that you were saying there. Think about what change means to you. And and I would ask those who are listening, you know, some questions here. One, what does change mean to you? You know, why is change happening now? And what are some of the benefits of supporting change? Mm -hmm. I think it's easy for us to identify the negatives and what happens when we resist. But the reality is, what are the ways that we can support change? Yeah. And what is the difference in our attitude and our mood? Okay, so here's where my mind is going, because my mind is kind of running. And so this is sounding a little hesitant, almost choppy. But it really is um, because I'm pulling from the book, The Art of Possibility. And one of the key lessons that they talk about there is, you know, we're faced with situations of change and of all this every single day, every moment of our life. When we find that we're frustrated, we're upset, or we're annoyed, that is an indicator to us that, you know, we should consider what if we change the lens and how we're looking at it. Mm -hmm. So let's just say Steve were to come to us with a change. Hey, everyone. Change is happening. Here's what we're doing. And Shelby, let's just say you and I are just like, Ugh, I don't want to, right? I, I just don't want to. Okay, well, what the art of possibility suggests is if we change the lens in how we're looking at it, it opens up the door to a wide array of possibility. Mm-hmm. It's not saying that you're automatically going to just enjoy it. But what it's saying is when we're willing to look at things from a different lens, the amount of possibility grows and it expands. And so I love that perspective. And that's what it makes me think about, right? Because what happens if we don't have a vote in the change? What happens if we don't get to share ideas? What happens, right? We know those are the not ideals. We don't ever want to bring a change to a team where that's, you know, where, hey, you get no, no input, no say. But the reality is that happens far more than we would want to. Yeah. And I mean, I think it happens every day. Yeah. Things that happen. I mean, I know our team moves so fast that Mm -hmm. we don't always have time to talk to every single one of us about a change. And so it's just, you know, we've got to support that change and we've got to um, be 
anticipating what's going to happen. We've got to be able to trust, mm-hmm. yeah. right? We we have to be able to trust so that, you know, if, if Steve and I'm, I'm picking on him, I don't know why, but I am. But if Steve were to make <laughs> a change, make a decision, right? And it was going to be a change. Um, I have to trust he has information that is going to justify that need. Mm-hmm. But I also know that through our relationship, he's willing to um, discuss it. Mm-hmm. Right. We just did this last week. Right. He was showing, hey, let's make this change. And I came out um, totally uninvited and was like, I don't like that. And here's why. And, you know, his response was, well, let's talk through it. Right. Yeah. Sure. I could have been outvoted. Right. He could have said, you yeah, know, thanks for sharing that. But now we're not doing that. And I would have been OK with that. And so it's that ability for us to trust and know that we're going to be able to share our thoughts and opinions. But the bottom line is he's our boss. He's the one in charge. So whatever he decides, I'm going to rally behind and I'm going to go. Um, And and, and that's what we need to be able to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, it we going back to your trust, you have to trust that he's he really does have the best intention Mm -hmm of what is best for the department, what is best for the universities, what's best for the system. And so really, I mean, dealing with change does rely a lot on trust. It really does. So I want to go back to something that you asked me to do probably a couple minutes ago, which was explain the Kubler-Ross change curve. Um, So I figure I should probably do that now because I went off on a little tangent. (laughs) But um, the Kubler-Ross change curve was originally designed for those individuals who were dealing with end-of-life care um, and f- helping families with grief and, and other elements around that. And it's been modified and tweaked several times, um, but its essence remains true today. And the Kubler-Ross change curve really looks at two key elements. First is your morale and competence, meaning what is the morale in the environment, positive, negative, because morale is going to have a significant impact on how we deal with change. Mm-hmm. Competence is how much we know. And that leads itself to a question that I enjoy asking, which is how much information is enough? Meaning, how much information do we need to effectively make a decision, right? Yeah. And then the second one, and this one can be debated, but the second one in essence is time, is that the more time that passes, the more knowledge we will have learned, the more acceptance we will have, and that over time, change becomes easier. Now, we can debate that, but that's for a different episode. So where do we start? Well, if we think about change, Generally speaking, and and again, I'm going to say generally because every single one of us is going to respond differently. And I think the context is going to change how we do this. But essentially, here are the key steps that we have. The first one is shock. We have a surprise, um, or I'm sorry, we have a change and maybe it surprises us. You know, maybe, you know, uh, Steve comes back in tomorrow and says, "Eh, hold on, we're going a new direction. Mm -hmm. Ooh, there's going to be a shock there, right? Maybe there's, I'm sorry. You get a new boss. Yeah, get a new boss, get a new, I don't know, right? It could be anything. Well, then after shock comes denial. Denial is generally that point to where, and if any of you have ever gone through this, which I'm going to make an assumption you have, this is the stage where you're like, yeah, right. No, it's not. Where did you hear that? Denial is all about looking for facts to be able to support and justify that. From there, we can fall into a state of frustration where maybe we're angry. Why are we changing? No one ever told me. No one included me. And so now I can start to get angry. 
For some, they may fall into a depression state. And what depression through the organizational lens looks like is essentially the lower productivity, lower morale. You know, if you were to put this on the morale scale, this would be the lowest point. Mm-hmm. Okay. But eventually we make a shift. We kind of come out of this valley and we move into experimentation. And this is where we, all right, fine, I'll give it a shot, I'll give it a go. Then we move into decision where, all right, we're learning how to work within it. All right, maybe it's not as bad as I thought it would be. And I'm I'm starting to feel more positive. And then there's integration, and that's the final step. And that's where we have allowed that change to become our standard operating process, Mm -hmm. right? But as we go through this, this is a curve that all of us in some capacity are going to go through. And so there are some key skills that you can think of. First is communication, right? When we have individuals who are struggling with buy-in or acceptance, think about the clarity. What clarity can you provide? When somebody's angry or upset or resistant, leverage empathy. Don't meet it with resistance. Meet it with empathy. Validate their feelings because the bottom line is there are going to be changes that you don't like that I do, and there are going to be changes that I don't like that you do. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's okay. That is okay. As long as we're willing to leverage empathy, right? And then help motivate us to get us into that experiment, decision, and integration. Mm-hmm. So that's the change curve at a really high level, but let's bring it back to our our making common sense, common practice in the lesson. There are four things that Connolly and Blanchard give us. And what's the first one, Shelby? Yeah. So the first one says, even if your team members don't have a vote in the change, give them a voice. So just because they're not the one at the table doesn't mean that you can't allow them to, you know, come to you and, and give you an idea. And this is where I think we deal with the most employees in the uh, denial and frustration is when they don't feel like they have a voice. And I think it's important here to note that if a decision's been made and we've said this is a change that's going to happen, um, whether we like it or not, so let's figure out how we can adapt and how we can work to it. We have to be open and we have to be really intentional saying the decision's been made. So this isn't a discussion about whether or not we should do it because the decision's been made. So I think as leaders, it's critical that we are open and we are clear with our team. Don't give them a false hope saying, oh, maybe we can change it based off of your opinion. Mm -hmm. If the decision's been made, tell them, but then shift the feedback to how can we make the best out of this? Yeah. And how can we implement it to the best of our ability or something? Mm -hmm. Um, That that kind of ties in. Yeah. I mean, that kind of ties into that second one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the second one says proactively ask them for their ideas about the change and solicit their concerns. Mm -hmm. This is where they should be able to ask questions, really get into what the why is on why the changes is happening. Um, Yeah. 
And then the third one, pay special attention to addressing their concerns. Again, if we go back to mm -hmm. the Kubler-Ross change curve, this is where we get that, you know, um, the shock, denial, frustration, or even uh, depression, right? Mm -hmm. So be watching, be checking in, validate, make sure that your team members are good. Yeah. And then the last one is involve them in identifying what is under their control and how they can best adapt to the change. This kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. If a decision's been made, let them know, but then figure out how you make the best of it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, again, there's a lot of great nuggets in this one. How would you sum it up, Shelby? Change is always going to happen. So uh, you just kind of have to roll with it and, you know, hopefully go into it with a positive outlook. So that way you can implement the change to the best of your ability and have um, greater success. And I'm going to add in then the quote that I heard from several years ago that Shelby um, gave earlier, which is, again, if you're somebody who, you know, you're not so sure about change or you struggle with it, remember that what you know is normal today was at one time a change. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Creating Us podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please let us know at jason.weber at ttu.edu. Until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Shelby. Take care.